There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL draft this year. My name is Ben Solak, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Greg Horbeck. We cover trades, free agency, and the draft, which is, yeah, obviously. We'll tell you about everything, which includes which quarterbacks are good, which quarterbacks are bad, and which quarterbacks are just Kirk Cousins. That is the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Search the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. It's the Full Goal, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome into episode 349 of The Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff, presented to you by the good people at FanDuel, and of course, brought to you by The Ringer. Spotify is the gang. Shout out to the FanDuel TV folks. This is the local angle. Welcome on in. We do this thing every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Thursday. And if there's an emergency podcast that is needed, we break one out for you during the week, whenever that happens. So there was an emergency podcast that we were kind of you know, playing with the idea, but we knew Sunday would roll around. We'd have a chance to talk about it in full. Zach Levine is no longer going to play this season for the Chicago Bulls. Four to six months, he will be out. Uh, he's going to have foot surgery. And this is the same foot with the fifth metatarsal area that has been inflamed. And the, the, the issue that a lot of people are having, and I really want, I really want us to uh, contextualize this conversation, not only here in the city of Chicago, but a lot of people outside of the city who have been hitting me up and asking me what's really going on or what I think is happening with this Bulls team. And more importantly, with Zach Levine now that the trade deadline kind of has been blown up by Zach Levine's um, injury, by Zach Levine's pending surgery, and Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley having to, you know, scramble now for the next week or so, trying to put something together that maybe will propel this team forward. Or if the reports were true that AK was looking forward to moving on from Zach 
Zach Levine, and then he could take a closer and better look, a better evaluation at the talent going forward. Well, he's going to have now the rest of this season, 30-some-odd games to do that. But the Zach Levine piece, I think, is very important. And in this um, ESPNization, and I have to be very careful how I say that because I don't want to get in trouble out here, but ESPNization uh, of sports conversation that we've had over the last decade or so where everybody's got a take everybody's got uh points that they're given when uh they are you know have a, a good answer or um an excellent reply to something uh and shout out to those shows that do that but i, I think the conversation uh has devolved around a lot of sports and uh, namely basketball uh, Zach Levine, when he came here years ago in the Jimmy Butler trade, uh, I had a chance to work with and also talk to Sam Mitchell, a guy who coached Zach Levine. And we talked about his confidence. We talked about all the skills. And, you know, he assured me that Zach Levine was getting ready to be a, a next level player. It's just the body had to fill out and all those things had to, you know, his game had to mature. He had to mature. But Minnesota knew what they had. And he was coming off of an ACL injury. And when you when you trade Jimmy Butler and you get Zach Levine, you get Chris Dunn, and you get what would eventually be Lowry Markin, you thought you had the building blocks of a, a, a young foundation that at least would entertain you while trying to figure out what they truly were you fast forward and the year before Lowry marketing is supposed to go and then we know what happened to Lowry marketing last year's most improved player uh, an all-star last year and one of the hotter names on the trade uh market when zach levine had the reins as a bulls fan i was sitting there like okay gotta find out now who this dude is and who the other player is is there any two-man game is going to be run with these two players and it wasn't there weren't. And when I zoomed out and saw what Zach Levine was getting ready to be, and I'll, I'll be the first one to raise my hand, y'all. I thought that Zach Levine was a quote-unquote empty calorie player. I thought he was a guy that was only going to be a, a high-level scorer, and that's about it. And I thought it would take a volume, you know, a, a volume amount of shots. I thought he would have to be a volume scorer. Well, fast forward to the Jim Boylan era where, you know, he wasn't being developed properly and he was taking a lot of bullets for a team that was just flat out bad and coached poorly. Larry Marketing moves on. He had to go to another stop before he finally found himself in Salt Lake City with the Utah Jazz. Zach Levine kind of held it down, not only on an entertainment level, but on a face of a franchise level where, let's face it, I don't think Zach Levine has ever truly been comfortable being the face of anyone's franchise. I think Zach Levine has a quiet confidence bordering sometimes on arrogance that would rather be in the background and just do his job. And as he started to excel, the moment that Zach Levine went to the Team USA trials and the moment he became an Olympian and then he comes back and sees the roster and knows who he's playing with, this is a guy who found out he belonged on that trip. If he didn't already believe it, he found it out. You had Steve Kerr talking about him. You had Greg Popovich talking about him. Kevin Durant was in awe of the two-way player that he was in those practices. And we saw him, we, we saw a style of basketball being played by a guy who we think or thought was ready to take that next leap. Then all of a sudden, Zach Levine turns into an efficient, an efficient, potent scorer. Turns into one of the best shooters in the game. Turns into one of the best catch-and-shoot shooters in the game. And it, there's some names, and shout out to uh, Elias Schuster, who I believe works for SB Nation. He threw he threw some stats out there over the the four years leading into this one. 
there were only four players who were averaged 25 points per game on 49% shooting from the field and 39% from the three. Four players. One of them's Kyrie Irving. Another one's Kawhi Leonard. I forget who the third was. And the fourth guy was Zach Levine. And Zach Levine had cleared the other three guys by a good 99 games. Zach Levine was playing and playing every single night. And then all of a sudden, the knee injury happens. And it's going into the playoffs. And we know he's hurt. And the Milwaukee Bucks first round was not one that Bulls fans were right home about, not one that anybody on their team thought was a sufficient effort or um, cast them in the most positive lights. But they finally broke that ceiling of getting to the playoffs. And then the max contract conversation comes into play. Now you're talking about a guy who is up for a max, is going to probably get that max from someone else. You can't just let him walk. Arturis Karnaschovas always struck me as a guy who really wasn't all the way in on Zach Levine. And, and, and you don't know who Arturis Karnaschovas is ever really all the way in on because of the way he converses about these players. And now when, when, you, when you really sit back and look at this entire year and how Zach Levine has been talked about, and whether it be with the injury and the Bulls winning without him, him coming back and them winning with him, and now him going down again, the conversation hasn't been nuanced or contextualized at all to me. It's either one side or the other. You're either a person who believes Zach Levine is still one of the elite players in the game and just needs a proper runway. You've, you've started to corrode this conversation with maybe DeMar DeRozan is in the way. Kobe White's ascension means something as well. This team is stagnant. Um, you know, is, is he the guy down the stretch? All these questions that still have to be answered. And all I'm saying is it doesn't have to be one or the other. The Bulls and the Zach Levine situation, they are separate entities, but they're mirror images of each other. Zach Levine is a player that will wow you on a night-to-night basis. Zach Levine, I also think, is a guy who, let's face it, he's shown you what his floor could be defensively and never truly, I think, over these last few years and maybe the last year where he was healthy, never truly tapped into that defensive potential that that is there, but became one of the better scorers in the league, which is, uh, you know, a marketable skill. It's what people pay for. A 25-point-per-game guy is, is, is hard to come by these days. I know there's about 40 guys scoring 20 a game, but once you start to clip off 25 a game, now we're talking about the rare air of scores in the league. But the conversation still is around winning. And for whatever reason, these last few years, these three players, whether it be Vuj, Damar, and Zach, whatever order you want to put them in, who's the big dog, who's the lead dog, and who's the dog that's trailing behind – these three guys have amounted to average to above average basketball winning wise. And it's not just the Lonzo ball thing. Cause we got a big enough sample size post Lonzo ball to show you exactly where this team has been and where they're not going. Now the Kobe white thing is thrown into the mix and Kobe white is the lead guard. Maybe that they've been looking for, but not in the Lonzo ball type of frame where he's going to get the ball to guys and push ahead. And also, you know, throw lobs and all the other things. Lonzo Ball is a completely different player than Kobe White. But with Kobe White's ascension, I think there has been this ricochet of Zach Levine hate that some has been warranted, but not as much as I think I hear. And the the reason why you can go back to when this podcast first started for me, I, I was the first one to say, hey, listen, no matter what you pay Zach Levine, 
Don't pay him and think that he's going to become someone else, right? Don't pay a guy hoping that he becomes someone else. Pay a guy knowing that the potential track that he is on, this can be the ceiling. This can be the, the sky for him. Now, I believe Zach Levine has maxed out where he is going to be talent-wise. And that's not a shade. That's not a slight. That's not anything that you would think is, is detrimental or me being condescending about his game. The dude is an all-star caliber player. But right now, Zach Levine is looking at a situation where, hey, and, and for all the reports and everybody out there that's saying that Zach Levine messed around and had this surgery because he knew Detroit was somewhere he didn't want to be, Hey, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw that out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just, you know, summarily dismiss that at all, at all, because this whole thing about the value of Zach Levine being down, the injury is what caused the value to be down. And now going forward, you've got three years, I think about $138 million left on a contract that it, it can easily and quickly become one of the worst looking deals in the league if this foot injury, this foot issue persists post-surgery. Now, I work with Kendall Gill. He had a stress fracture of his fifth metacarpal uh, when he was, uh, I believe, either at the end of his high school career or at Illinois. And he's talked about how painful it was and how it's a pain tolerance issue and all the things that go into that. My man Will Perdue, seven-footer. Uh, the, the bigger you are, the more worried you are about your feet. I've talked extensively uh, with Will about foot problems and what NBA players have to go through. So now that the stuff is coming out that maybe, just maybe, the Bulls team doctors didn't get a chance to, to confer with the Clutch Sports Group or Rich Paul or wh whoever's managing Zach Levine right now, yeah, there's, there's some schadenfreude afoot. There's, there's some things going on here. Zach Levine messed around and had a surgery shortly before the trade deadline, shut himself down, and now the Bulls are left maybe in the lurch. What has to happen going from here, for me as a Bulls fan, is you have to pretend like this thing is going forward without Zach Levine. Zach Levine gets healthy. Zach Levine proves that his rehab is going well. The offseason goes well enough for him. Zach Levine probably should and still will be on the trade block. What you can't miss is the opportunity to exercise some, some leverage that you may have or that you may have had with DeMar DeRozan and his rental contract that will be, what, for the next couple of months or so after the trade deadline. Alex Caruso is still uh, a very sought-after piece out there. Andre Drummond is also one of those guys, but cross-purposes because it doesn't seem like the Bulls are going to blow anything up. Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic has reported that the, the continuity thing is going to be intact, and going forward, this is what you got as Bulls fans. I think the, the marriage between Zach Levine and the Chicago Bulls might have come to an end earlier. I think this surgery has delayed that, but I do think that Zach Levine will be shopped as soon as he can be and as soon as he is healthy enough to be shopped. This is the other thing, though. With everything that I mentioned and everything that he's put on the board, especially in recent vintage the last couple of years or so, you can't mess around and get nothing for him. And I think that's what happened. The Bulls balked at some deals that, and let's face it, the Detroit Pistons deal was the only one that we truly heard kind of fleshed out. And outside of initial conversations, I don't know how deep any of those things went. But if we're talking about, you know, expiring deals and, and, and none of the young players that you may covet and second round picks, 
you probably can get better than that if you're selling a little bit higher than you are right now with a guy going into surgery. So the Zach Levine quandary that a lot of Bulls fans find themselves in and one side of the spectrum or the other, you don't have to be on one side of the spectrum or the other. You can completely understand the commodity that Zach Levine is while also understand that the winning that you would hope would have hoped have come, it's, it hasn't come. It hasn't been here. It hasn't arrived. No matter how electric a player he is, no matter how funny he is to watch from an, on a night-to-night -night basis, Zach Levine in his almost, what, he's 10 years now, if I'm not mistaken, his 10-year career, we're talking about, what, one four-game win streak. We're talking about one playoff series. We're talking about a couple of playing nods, um, an all-star berth. Um, other than that, this thing has kind of felt a little empty kind of felt a little shallow. I was astounded when I was reading some of the stuff that I've been reading this this weekend. It's been seven years that he's been wearing a Bulls uniform. Seven years. And it doesn't seem like that for us Bulls fans. It seems like, you know, seven years you watch a guy grow up, right? And, and that's essentially what we've done is watch Zach Levine grow up into a perimeter player who can help a champion, no doubt about it, into a perimeter player who can get hot and steal a game in the playoffs for a team that is well-equipped. But for this situation, it has resulted in average at best results. And that's what it's been. I think that unfortunately going forward, unless there are other changes and maybe major changes, whatever you may think those are, I think that's what it's going to be. I think these next 30 games are similar to me for Kobe White, what they were for Zach Levine two, maybe three years ago. When they first got DeMar and it was understood after Lonzo Ball went down that, yeah, this thing... This thing might be, uh, it might be a wrap for this season in terms of making any real noise. I was all in favor of giving the ball to Zach Levine the last 25, 30 games of the season and letting the NBA tell you the truth about his game. Good, bad, indifferent, all the things in between. That's how I feel about Kobe White. Now that Zach Levine is on the shelf, you never want to see a guy not be able to do what he loves doing, right? And we wish him the best because I, I think Zach Levine is a good enough dude in my interactions with him. I, you know, he's, he's had a whirlwind two years, right? You know, he's got, he's had a baby, started a family, got, you know, got, got married, bought a crib, like a whole bunch of stuff has been happening for, I believe a second one is on the way. Like he's got a lot going on. But the same way I felt about Zach, Two, three years ago, that's how I feel about Kobe now. Instead of chasing meaningless wins in a, in a playing situation where you're just going to be flip-flopping spots with the Atlanta Hawks over the next couple of weeks, seemingly so, put the ball in Kobe White's hands. What I saw, especially what I saw the other night, DeMar DeRozan, after, after Kobe had 19 points in the second half, DeMar DeRozan took control of the last three possessions offensively for the Chicago Bulls. That has to stop. That has to stop. Let the NBA tell you exactly what you have right now in Kobe White. Good, bad, or indifferent. I think you're going to come out a lot more on the good side if you just give him the basketball. So it's, it's, a, it's a fickle industry. It's a fickle sport, and it's a fickle business. The same place that I think Zach Levine was in a few years ago, I think Kobe White is in now. And hopefully, hopefully the Bulls and this premier perimeter player-to-be will have a better outcome than the one that we've been talking about on the trade block for the last two months. We do this every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Thursday. It's the Full Gold Podcast, and we appreciate you hanging out with us here on FanDuel TV and the local angle. 
we'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And boy, do the casual betting brothers have some for you. So you know we had to go big because this is Super Bowl L-V-I-I-I. So we're going with a six-leg. That's right, a six-leg same-game parlay, ladies and gentlemen. The casual betting brothers have you set. We got the Kansas City Chiefs plus two and a half. We got the over total points at 47 and a half. And then we're going real specific on you with the player props here. We got Christian McCaffrey as an anytime touchdown scorer. We got Travis Kelsey as an anytime touchdown scorer. Patrick Mahomes, 250-plus passing yards. And Brock Purdy, 250-plus passing yards. I think that there are two terrific defenses on the field. And with that being said, I want to get wacky. I think some points are going to get put up and I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. The casual betting brothers have six legs of the same game parlay for you. Once again, Christian McCaffrey and Travis Kelsey's anytime touchdown scores, Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy to throw for both 250 plus yards. And we got the Kansas City Chiefs plus two and a half and the over in Super Bowl L-V-I-I-I. And you already know, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, that's Super Bowl 58 for you, like I said. Super Bowl L-V-I-I-I. But FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown like the anytime touchdown scores we gave you, how many points will be scored, and so much more. If you're new to FanDuel, join today and you'll get $200. That's right, $200 in bonus bets when you win your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash FullGo. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. I, I tell you, I can't help but get back to golf. Uh, hey, that video hey, came out in hey. 2003. 2003? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Kyle was four years old when that video came out. <laughs> <laughs> My man. God bless you. Well. God bless you, Kyle. Well. <laughs> Blame it on me. It's okay. It's okay. You know. I've had I've had worse blamed on me. I, gotta I can tell take you, that. I'm kind of on your side on this one, and that's kind of rare. Like, I'm kind of on your side on this one. Well, well, I mean, you I know, you gotta like be right every once in a while. It's our job <laughs> as the young elders to like be cool because clearly the people around them are not. So 
that's what we are. That's we're the young elders, yeah, aren't we? We're the yeah, yeah, we're the we're, we're the you know we're the we're the uncles and aunts yeah. that uh, give you your first sip and tell you don't tell your mama. Listen, you know that kind of shit. That's me, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. My friends' kids will be Would sitting you? by me and they see me drinking something and I'll be like, you should, you want to taste it, don't you? And they be looking at me like, uh huh. The parents be like, I know you're not. Well, let them hate it now, like. He tastes it now. Oh, I say. He hate it now. He won't ask for it again. And now I can drink what I'm drinking without interruption. You know, I, I never, it's so crazy. I never had that issue of like wanting or needing to do anything early because I always had it around. Like we had a wet bar in the crib when I was a shorty and I knew that, that, that those were the adult beverages. There's no reason they didn't have to lock anything up or anything like that. I just knew that it wasn't my place to, to vibe like that. I, I didn't, I had my first drink, uh, the night before I went to college. No, nah, man, opposite experience. My family drank. I got drunk for the first time in like kindergarten on accident. <laughs> like, <laughs> on accident too, by the because, way, y'all. Like, God damn, it's good. Because when you're little, you can't get drunk on purpose, you know? But like, <laughs> well, what it was is uh, my mom and dad had a little New Year's Eve kickback, right? And the Christmas tree yeah. was still up. And because they had me, it was a, okay, well, we got the kids, so we're going to have the thing. And at the time, my mom drank wine coolers, right? That was about as far Shout as out she to was moms. going, right, with the wine coolers. Uh, little, little Bartles and James, you know, I feel oh, you, yeah, moms. Little, <laughs> I feel you, moms. strawberry uh, daiquiri in the little bottle. You know what I mean? Those was the first <laughs> waist beads, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> when you saw when you, when you saw when you saw the bottles and James, that's when you knew. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a terror underneath all that. <laughs> yeah, real ones know. Real ones know. Oh my god! Oh, I have tears in my eyes right now. Oh, for a number. Shout of out reasons. to Mama Taylor. <laughs> uh, so my mama. Look at all the white dudes right now. Mama. All right, he put us he put us on tip drill last week. Uh, now, look at these waist beads. Yes. He's talking. About. Yes. <laughs> and uh you know when the when the bottle get empty it still be like a little swallow in the bottom they sending me with the bottles to the trash i'm taking that little swallow oh, my Jesus. mom said they looked over at midnight to do like happy new year and i was laid out under the christmas tree Kindergarten, little, tore up. Little Shakia getting ready to get a DUI to the room. I was on my way to waste bees, apparently. <laughs> That's how they indoctrinate y'all. <laughs> a little taste of that Bartles and James. That's all that Bartles is. James, the Bartles and James to waste bees pipeline is real. Yeah, it is. You say I have not. Well, let me chill. Let me chill. Let me, let me chill. I, will, I will divulge that information maybe this summer. Maybe this summer. Oh my gosh, Shakia Taylor is joining us. Uh, the the wonderful Shakia Taylor, the the amazing, the uh, the 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 poet. You know, all she does is kick out content for your head top. Uh, she is the deputy content editor. Is that what it is? You can just say is that, I'm a I, sports writer. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm gonna give you all your props because I saw this fancy ass title uh, oh, underneath goodness. your name. I was like, oh, look at her putting a 
her LinkedIn shit in the bio. Let's get it. Let's get it. Yeah. And, and she is, ladies and gentlemen, where sports meets culture here in the city of Chicago. She is the one, the only Shakia Taylor. She's a friend of the show, even though she don't like acting like she's a friend of the show. She's a friend of the show. This would be her like third spin. people on the streets, I know you. You're a damn liar. I You're a damn liar. You tell people you you tell people you know Lawrence Holmes and you tell people you put up with me. I know what you're oh, saying. No. They come back and tell oh, me no. what you're saying. No. <laughs> I'm saying I know y'all because then people don't bother me at all. Oh, you know them? Yeah. Oh, they be rabble yeah. rousing. Yeah. You know, they don't want to mess no. with me after that. Yeah. So, you know. People don't think I mess you know with me. you. That's what's so funny. I've come on it's your true. pod a few times. We don't even like go back and forth on Twitter. And people still will meet me and be like, yeah, I heard you on Goff's pod and you was really, I'm like, I was giving him a hard time. Listen, you saw yeah. my name in these streets. Third, hey, one, a third party told you something about our interactions that I had no conversations with. And they told you how you came off and you can't accept it. But it's par oh, for the wow. course for me oh, and wow. the relationships that I'm in. I don't and, got no accountability. Listen, <laughs> I will admit that when you started, I'll give it back, but I don't start it. I don't start it. Ladies and gentlemen, you... you <laughs> Hey, brothers out there, <laughs> every every brother out there just got like a PTSD kick in just it now. Like, matter. wait a minute, that is. It don't <laughs> matter. It don't and then matter. the second, the, the, this is the aftershock right there. Oh, <laughs> After, afterwards, they tell you your feelings don't matter. They, no, no, no. This, I this mean, is what it is. I mean, them feeling the aftershock. <laughs> That don't matter because even after a woman talk like that to them, they go back because y'all are sick. Okay, sick. Because we love y'all. That's why we sick. I, I have people tell me all the time, like, oh, you be snapping. And I'd be like, and yeah, here you are. Ready wow. to get snapped on once again. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Toxic Femininity, the podcast, coming what? to a speaker near you. <laughs> Look, I didn't watch any of tonight's Grammys because I'm old and I took a nap. But what I saw I didn't either. on Twitter is your boy Hope said, when I get nervous, I start telling the truth. I think that's what happens to me. And people, like, mm. I get nervous and I be like, wow, your shoes are terrible. Oops. Like, it just. Uh, that, that, that now is going to be the caption on so many thotty oh, IGs really? for the whole summer. Oh, my God. I, I hate y'all already. I start telling the truth. But think about oh, how, yeah. how, you know, people use that to <laughs> Not <definitely> me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> when I'm when I'm fully confident, I'm a lie to your face. And then when I get nervous, I'm a lie more. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jason, not everybody. With this evil <laughs> Nah, I'm fucking with you, kind of. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk to you about what you wrote mm -hmm. uh, in the trip. Mm -hmm. Because... There is no player that I have been more wrong about in the city of Chicago in my time being in front of a microphone than Joakim Noah. I will never forget doing the draft show the night the Bulls drafted Joakim Noah and running out of the studio screaming angry mm -hmm. because I thought he was just an energy guy. I thought it was too high a pick to for a guy who wasn't going to put points on the board, like all those, you know, stupid young thoughts that I had. And I also have been never uh, happier to be more wrong about a person and a player in my life. Mm -hmm. um, Joakim Noah 
what if Derrick Rose was the engine, Joakim Noah was the heart and soul of that entire thing for a good six, seven year run. And you talk about defensive player of the year, top five MVP voting, um, you know, getting getting suspended by his teammates as a rookie and Ben Wallace, you know, uh, making sure that that suspension was carried out. Like everything Joe was, whether it be the sound bites about Cleveland, whether him talking about Miami was Hollywood as hell. He, he is a Chicago Bulls and a Chicago legend. But more so for me, the things that Joe Kim Noah did and his attachment to this city, not only through Derrick Rose, but also on his own. Yeah. He, he, after he didn't need Derrick Rose to introduce him to people that uh, a lot of people would be scared to talk to or scared to be in a room with. Uh, Joe Kim Noah is one of those spirits that, that this city was blessed with and will always be indebted in terms of not only how he played, but what he actually stood for. There's a lot of guys who have worn that jersey who have no, and some guys, hell, on his current team, who have no connection to this city, who, who can't wait to leave the moment the second week of April is done and their cars are shipped out to wherever they want to live for the summer. Um, Joe was never that guy. Joe is still not that guy. What, first of all, what inspired you to write this and what did you take away in your interactions? Um, first, I want to say I agree with everything you just said. Um, hey, you getting Joe, good, boy. This is this is this is two times in a row now. <laughs> you might mess around and you might be right three times in one pot. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Amazing. Oh, no. Amazing. Huh? Might have to crack a bottle of James with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Joe is, I feel that a lot of athletes after him maybe don't understand is he gets what basketball means to this city. And, you know, I wrote about it last summer. Basketball means a lot to this city. You know, people talk about the bears, you know, and it's like the one team everybody roots for But I might say that the bulls are something special generationally here. Whereas, the Bears don't have that generational attachment. You got kids who grew up here who are Packers fans. Um, and the story, the story with Joe came to be, well, we had tried to link up um, around Christmas um, and it didn't work out schedule-wise. Um, he wasn't in the States. Obviously, I am. And, like, time and scheduling when Joe is just more of a free spirit, you know, um, it, just, it got a little hard. And so with this collection that he's the face of with the Bulls, the opportunity came back around again. Um, and I, I jumped at it. I mean, I had to get up early and, uh, on a Saturday morning on one of those like really, really cold, cold days, but it was a real cool vibe. Like, I mean, I think I wrote about it in the lead. I hope people can feel what the energy felt like just being in the United Center and it's just you, Joe, a couple people and the ghosts. Um, it was real, it was real dope. And I think that conversation that I wrote about at the top of the story is just kind of how he, how we got into that, that conversation really is I was standing at center court and I was like, wow, it's like, I've never seen it from this perspective. It's never been this quiet for me, you know, and he could feel it too. Um, and it made me wonder, do other players feel that? 
Like, is that something that only guys who connect with the spirit of Chicago feel? Like those ghosts in the building? It was just a real dope conversation. Joe's great. I love his connection to the city. It was so strong. You could hear it. Um, and he was really proud of that as a New Yorker to be that connected in Chicago. I remember having a chance to uh, see Joe play at the Kingdom uh, in New York uh, way back in the day when he was like a kid before he was getting ready to go to Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, he's always had this infectious spirit and this, um, this aggressively inquisitive nature where it's like, he wants to know or connect with you on the level that you want to connect on. I remember covering Joe and walking into the locker room and, you know, we, we, I'd ask game questions and all that. And then we talk about rap or we talk about something else, or, you know, we talk about, you know, whatever necklace he was wearing at the time and, you know, who made it and how, you know, cause Joe's a, Joe's an eclectic dude mm -hmm. and he doesn't wear shit that everybody else wears. So it, it was always a conversation piece. It was always an access point and he, he was always open, which I appreciated even when he was upset, you know, even when he didn't want to talk, there was an openness there to, okay, He's, he's going to grumble through it, but you, you understand, but you understand. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even have to grumble through it. Right. Like, uh, and on top of it, just the, the spirit that he was, you know, and that he is, um, you know, the foot injuries and all the things after, uh, his, his prime was over and after the sunset on his career, uh, I am truly, truly appreciative as a Bulls fan for not only his presence, but what he, like you said, um, what he what he did and meant to the city like Joe talked to a lot of real people like a lot of people who are in the streets for real mm -hmm. and got guys and got girls to understand bigger pictures about things and um I just <clears throat> I appreciate you know and, I, and you don't you don't need an athlete to uh, use their platform or their brand or whatever they want to call them these days to to make your city better Right, because some guys just go to work, some girls just go to work, and then you go home. And I got no problem with that. It's kind of like the people who need rappers to make political statements. Right. It's like it's like no, he he picks beats well. Right. <laughs> okay, that's 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 what that's what he does. I don't I don't need to hear about you know Israel and Palestine from this person. You feel me? Joe was worldly enough, but also local enough, if that makes any sense to be able to touch on anything and then relate to anybody, whether it be a shareholder or whether it be, you know, a, a, a leader of a, you know, a certain tribe in the neighborhood <laughs> that many people can't go to. Right. So yeah. I, I appreciate him for using his light and using his spirit the way that he did in this city. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Gold with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Joe seems to be a citizen of the world. 
and yeah. that could be and the world welcomes him <laughs> yeah and that you know that that could be the way he grew up um you know with the parents that he has and whatever but he he is a citizen of the world we talked a little bit i don't know if you remember a couple summers ago uh the Simeon boys basketball team they went to senegal um with uh derrick rose and tim flowers and joe was there and the fact that he just kind of slides in real low key on these massively meaningful things for kids here i i mean i i don't think he needs the he's not looking for the accolades he's not looking for the public to know about it he just want to do it be a good person and and roll out and i think that really shined in the interview with him um, but also, I think it's good that the Bulls see that in him and are like, we want to promote that uh, because he's been doing so much under the radar that the fact that they decided to make him the face of a campaign and to welcome him back into, you know, Bulls alumni in that way, um, it's I don't know what, what it says about the, the team on the other side, but from the community standpoint, I think that's great. Um, the people here embrace him. They love him. People were tweeting me in response to the column saying that they need to hang Joe's number in the rafters. They do. They do. There's a few players from that team that they should retire those numbers. I mean, Derek, obviously, uh, Luol Deng, and and Joe Kim Noah would be another one. Uh, <clears throat> I think Kirk Heinrich might have his day at some point. Uh, but let's let's talk about what you've been up to. You uh, you moderated a, a Jackie Robinson panel. I, I saw you standing up there, and you know, I, I, I saw the, I saw the Instagram stories. You know, I saw I saw I saw you out here shining. Yeah. I'm, I'm always watching your moves and watching your steps. Yeah. Um, what was this panel about? Uh, first, that was the co- one of the coolest things I'll probably ever do. Um, getting an invite to moderate something at the Jackie Robinson Museum is something you don't say no to, right? Um, And it was about Black women in baseball. It was the first in a series of, I believe, four panels uh, that will present women in sports, in different sports. And the baseball one, obviously, was the first one because, hello, it's the Jackie Robinson Museum. And it was the first time ever that an entire panel involving baseball with black women it it is so you have so you will have a difficult time looking for one of us in tons of jobs around that game so the fact that they were so thoughtful in finding us you know you have wendy lewis who is chicago based she worked for mlb um and she was a big part of their diversity initiatives for years um then you have monet davis who we kind of all watch grow up playing in the yeah. Little League World Series. And it turns out Monet wanted to be a basketball player. And mm-hmm. she is now an aspiring team owner. She wants to bring a WNBA team to Philly. She's in grad school at Columbia. And being around her is real cool because she's like the the community's niece. Like all the elders were talking to her about, you know, how they watched her grow up and where they wanted her to go to college. And you know, there were a couple times where you had to be like, that's a grown woman now, y'all. Like, you know, right. like, 
Like y'all talking to her. It's like when Kiki Palmer grew up. <laughs> right. <laughs> this ain't Akili of the B anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, this woman is open up to dream in this song. Right. Like, right. Right. Let's get let's she make her own decisions, Auntie. She don't care where you wanted her to go to school. You know? Um right. and then you had Amber Sabathia, who is known as, for being Cece Sabathia's wife, but she's stepping into being an agent in MLB and that's, that's badass. That's like, Hey, I'm, I'm stepping out of my husband's shadow and showing you what I got. And she was great. And the last person was AJ Andrews, the Beyonce of baseball, you know, professional softball player, television personality. They were all just tremendous women. And it was an honor to be able to ask them questions about their lives and careers and, ask them to give advice to people who will come after us. You know, um, I try not to participate in the panel, but the audience is always like, no, Shakir, we got questions for you too. No, we need that. Yeah, <laughs> so, we need that. Yeah. I mean, shit, you up there for a reason too. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> well, you, know, you, you know, you're charting me, your own course. Midwestern yeah, no, you're special. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we, we won't, we, we won't hold the Ohio thing against ooh, you. You feel me? But wow. other than that, you know, okay, you and Pope. So look, <laughs> been in Chicago long enough that most people who live here forgot that I'm from somewhere else. I've been here since 2001. And I'm talking about when people introduce me, they introduce me as being from the South Side and I ain't never lived on the South Side. Like, <laughs> well, you're black. You like, might as well just, just say just staple it for you. South Side's fine. Baby, I, I don't think I live past Belmont ever. Like, <laughs> but we gonna we we gonna take it. We gonna take, take it. Take it, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Chicago land's it. finest. Yeah. Shakia Taylor. No, no, no. We don't don't give me the land. I at least been I'm in the saying, city. Just saying. Hey, just saying. You putting me with the maple no billions in the Hey, yeah. hey, it's nothing wrong with being, you know, it's nothing wrong with your 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 parents uh, you know, achieving and and not no, making absolutely. you know no, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. I'm just, it's the shit that, it's the shit that I used to get. And now it's like, Hey man, I got more shooters in your block than you. So let's, <laughs> let's calm down, sir. <laughs> Let me chill before I get in trouble on this pod. What's, uh, what's, what's next up for you, Shakir? What, what, what we got coming oh up here? What, what, what ideas are you thinking about? Like every time I run into you, you, you got, you got three or four books on your brain that you need to write. Uh, you got the, the next special feature that's that's coming around the corner I, I mean what's what's going on here okay so i i, I have I, I have things going on the other day i tried to say something like wow i am having a week and my own girl rita was like you are having an 18 month run and i was like well, okay i guess i don't really look at it like that i you know i take it day by day piece by piece but um, that fake humility ain't gonna fucking work fake. on me. So we can stop it's that. We can stop that. We can stop Listen, that. Listen, every, every now and then I will talk my shit, right? Like I'll talk my shit, like because I don't know if you saw. I was talking about things I had going on, but then I quietly tweeted like it's gonna be a rough year for haters. Like you know, as you know, as you know, I I, 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 I talk it. I just I just slide it in there a little bit, but. In March, uh, there's a uh, sports history and American culture symposium at U of I. And I <laughs> am, there's an in conversation with me for this symposium at U of I. Mm. 
Nice. Um, well, I'll be talking about how I use um, history in my storytelling, um, which is kind of how all of this for me got started, is being able to use history to tell stories and put things in context. So that's in March. That's open to the public. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I got some other stuff I can't talk about. Just, I guess, look out for it. And ideas wise. Uh, shit. She about to give us her album rollout right now. Oh, no, you know, I, got, album. I, got, I got some features that I got to clear. So let me just, you know, I can't really talk about that. Right <laughs> I'm now, doing a, um, doing a podcast that is going to be debuting this summer. It is a serial, so it'll be 10 episodes. Toxic Femininity is coming out? Unfortunately, no. I'm sorry. They're not paying enough for that one yet. But when they do, I'll let Damn. you know. Uh, no, okay. it's a baseball podcast. Well, I will be talking to players who are still with us, who were a part of the Negro Leagues, um, okay. and allowing them to tell their stories in their own voice, in their own way. And it will be forever documented because it will belong to the Society for American Baseball Research. So we will have that out um, this summer. Um, I think the date was early June. So I'll be recording with a bunch of elders over the next couple of weeks. I'm really looking forward to these stories from men in their, in their 90s. Nice. Look at Shakira out here, huh? They're doing that thing. Shake, I appreciate you. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. Glad we can catch up with you in this month, especially. Uh, you out here doing tremendous things. Um, you know, the Instagram tells it, but the behind the, the scenes work tells it as well. Uh, you, you continue, you continue to inspire a whole bunch of people that you haven't even met yet. So keep doing your thing. And uh, next time I see you, drinks on you. Okay. Wow. You're getting wow, this money. You were so like, earnest, and then you had to. Me, I was earnest at the end, yeah, too. Shit. To drinks on you. Why, why drinks drink on, on you? me when I watch you on TV and they saying that you got the bread? You, you, you the baker. Yeah. 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 All right. And tell, tell my baby mama that. <laughs> I'm not what you talking it. about? I'm not yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why they need to stop talking like that on the air. That 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 may be a start, huh? That's why drinks is on you, like Damn, I just said. Homie. Okay, I got you huh? for like you know, an old fashioned. Qu- you know, I got you. Nah, nah, we going, we going McAllen fifteen. We gonna Ooh. celebrate. Ooh. You make it happen, all right? Ooh. Little John, little Johnny Walker, Only blue label on Shakira. in Miami, so we gonna have to take a trip. Well, 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 listen, you better, you better <laughs> sprinkle some cocaine on the floor and act like we in Little Havana because I'm definitely getting my fucking drink. All right? Shakia Taylor, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Full Go Podcast. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. That kick is good! Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So I know everybody is all draft out. 
already, right? Like I know everybody's doing their mock drafts. I know everybody's talking about Caleb Williams and every tweet that goes out about him or surrounding him. Next thing you know, is is going to be aggregated and it's going to be pushed into your feed because you are in Chicago. I understand this is happening to you and I will pray for your algorithms. I also understand that, hey, the Bears might be staying by the lake. Huh? Kevin Warren pulled up and was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is a, this is a bad deal that y'all put together out here in Arlington Heights. Let's make sure we stay by the lake. And I know that might be flooding your feed as well, right? Because you want to know where you're going to be driving to to see your favorite 7 and 10 team play home games. But for me, ladies and gentlemen, Today is a very special day because 17 years ago today, a much younger Jason Goff was on 5300 South Drexel. I'm not going to give you the exact address because I don't want you to go back looking up my, my, you know, my history. But I was on the 5300 block of South Drexel. It was my first apartment, smooth little garden apartment. And when I say smooth, had a steam shower, like it was, it was nice. And, you know, the dude who owned the building was uh, one of the team doctors for an NFL team. And he just, you know, he, he lived in the, the garden apartment, decked it out pretty nice and then rented out the, the spots above the university of Chicago kids. And I got a chance to uh, understand what it is to live underneath university of Chicago kids who played on the football team and enjoyed partying just a little bit. Just, a, just a little bit, you know. Certain, certain party favors that would end up in the backyard, and you know, people strewn about the the lawn every once in a while. But I digress. Seventeen years ago today, I in that garden apartment jumped up and punched a hole in the ceiling when Devin Hester returned the opening kickoff in the Super Bowl that consisted of the Bears and the Indianapolis Colts. Took it back to the crib, and you couldn't tell me that the Bears wasn't getting ready to win a Super Bowl. That's right. We talked to Alex Brown every single Tuesday during the football season on this podcast. And 17 years ago today, that man was in Miami facing off against the Indianapolis Colts. And since then, the football's been bad. <laughs> the, the football's been bad. We've had two or three really decent seasons. We've had three or four coaches since then. We've had three architects since then. We've had a couple of Bill Polians and, and throwing an Ernie Corsi for good measure. There's been all kinds of things that have been happening to the Bears franchise. But that was the last time we as Bears fans thought that the hope not only was real, but was going to pay off. Now, going into that game, you couldn't convince me that the Bears were going to win. You couldn't. Yeah, I know Peyton Manning didn't have a big game, but that's because Dominique Rhodes and Jeff Saturday controlled the middle of the football field. Uh, Daniel Manning got blamed for a, a blown coverage when years later Lance Briggs would admit that he didn't get the call back there to the secondary or something to that to that extent. Next thing you know, you got Reggie Wayne running free in the secondary for one of the longest, most painful touchdowns that Bears fans will ever remember. And also from that game, Cedric Benson, that's right, the number four overall pick uh, a few years prior, left the game. Left the game with an injury and didn't have a surgery, which a lot of Bears fans and a lot of Bears players kind of looked at uh, with a, a quizzical eye, you know, like, wait a minute, hey, you leave the Super Bowl and you didn't get cut open? Like, yeah, that's the only way I'm leaving the Super Bowl. And a lot of Bears fans thought that. God rest the dead, Cedric Benson is no longer here with us, so I'm not trying to pile on Cedric, uh, you know, him 
you know, posthumously at all. But Thomas Jones running the football for that team had himself a, a really, really good game, right? And and of course, there was no Tommy Harris. That game, you went into it, no Tommy Harris, who was the engine of that defense, one of the best three techniques in the game before he got hurt. You had the Tank Johnson situation that was going on at the time as well. It was just... It was a topsy-turvy squad with a bunch of really, really, really good football players. Rex Grossman leading the way at quarterback. So for Bears fans out there who think they've been going through it over the last 10 years with this Bears team and the quarterback carousel, Rex Grossman was the quarterback for the Chicago Bears the last time that they were in the Super Bowl. Bernard Berrien running around, Moussa Mohammed at the other wide receiver position. I mean, that team was as fun a team as I have ever watched, covered, uh, enjoyed, known people on. Like, that That. That. That old five squad was was a hoot. And going up to Bourbonnais every year and covering that thing for 670 to score with Dan and Terry and with my man Matt Abatacola was was just it, it made this business fun for me. Watching a team that you knew people on, that you covered, that you knew there were some good guys, you knew there were some bad guys. Olin Kroots on that team as well. Not throwing Olin in, by the way, at the end of the bad guy conversation, but Olin Kroots is on that team as well. Like just a bunch of characters, a tough ass football team that was going to play great defense and run the football and hit you with a couple play action passes, go home with a 21 to 13 win, pretty much, right? And then the, the Super Bowl happened and when Devin has to return that football, everything that I thought I was going to realize as a football fan and as a Bears fan, because let's face it, when the Bears won in 85, I was five years old. Okay, I had the, the Super Bowl shuffle on, on 45 record. I had it on vinyl because KFC was doing a promotional situation, and my dad was a an avid Kentucky Fried Chicken eater back in the day, okay? So he went and got me the, the promotional Super Bowl shuffle. I threw that joint on my play school, my first recorder uh, record player. You remember those back in the day? Yeah, threw that joint on there and played the Super Bowl shuffle. Over you ain't got to shake your head no, Kyle. It's a rhetorical question, goddammit. I threw that thing on the record player over and over and over. I wore the rules. I had the whole get-up... You know, the whole Chicago Bears outfit. But I don't really remember that team, to be honest with you. I was five years old. You really don't come into your own as a sports fan to you about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, something like that. But I was five years old. So it all in at, at, at once, all the emotions just flooding me. And thinking to myself, am I about to watch the team that I probably root the hardest for win the ultimate prize? And then the rest of the game goes on, and you see that the, the Indianapolis Colts are probably the superior team. They didn't even have to lean on Peyton Manning in that situation, who you know, would go on to have a Hall of Fame career, obviously. Uh, Tony Dungy, it was the matchup of uh, two black head coaches for the first time in the Super Bowl, and Lovey Smith and Tony Dungy. Like It was a special, special event. Uh, it was a downpour, right? So you thought maybe that that might play in the Bears' favor, but... Alas, the Bears lost, and 17 years since, we have been going through it in this city trying to figure out what our local heroes are going to do. I just I just couldn't let the day go by without especially getting a chance to pod and talk about what that 05 team was. I mean, Brian Urlacher in the, the, the throes of his greatness, 
Like you, you'd never seen an athlete play the middle linebacker position like Brian Erlacher played. And I remember at the time, Ray Lewis was still doing his thing. So the conversation was, who's the best middle linebacker in all of football? Is it Ray Lewis? Is it Brian Erlacher? Brian Erlacher is asked to cover. Brian Erlacher is asked to cover ground and do all those things. And, you know, the, the throws that weren't made against that cover two defense because you pretty much had a six foot four, 265 pound safety playing middle linebacker. Those are the, the stats that were weren't being counted, whereas Ray Lewis was racking up 12, 15, 17 tackles a game, and you know he was making the big plays, and the camera was always finding him, so the conversation was happening. So it was it was a culmination of all those things, being a Bears fan, finally getting your moment, and also uh, the, the linebacker conversation, a uh, question that seemingly was getting ready to be answered. The Bears win that Super Bowl, and all, already Brian Urlacher was a, a media darling and a star when it came to pro, uh, endorsements, right? I mean, he was all over the place, right? He, he was on entourage. Like, he was – Brian Urlacher was a star. If he'd have won that Super Bowl, if the Bears would have won that Super Bowl, it would have taken his career, which was already – in the stratosphere, it would have taken it to another galaxy. So there was a lot riding on that game, a lot riding on that day. Uh, I was nervous the entire day, like I was playing in the game. And mind you, I didn't cry. I didn't cry when they lost because I'm a grown up, and you know I'm, I try to be well, more well adjusted than that. And and we can always go back to it if you want to. By the way, shout out to the Bill Burr uh, Monday Morning Podcast. His last episode, I heard him talk about the Buffalo Bills fan who y'all got mad at me for chastising for crying and sobbing violently after the Bills lost the other day. Bill Burr brought it up. Like, hey, man, get yourself together. Football shouldn't do that to you. And if you've got that relationship with football, then maybe you should re-examine it. Maybe it's a, you know, a world-famous and, and uber-talented comedian who can put it in better words than I can. But God damn it, I said it when I said it, and I still stand by it. I didn't cry after that Bears Super Bowl loss because – I was too hurt to cry at the time. I was I was going through it. You know, I, I almost had my moment as a fan, and then I snapped back into industry mode where you got to talk about it the next day and producer mode where you got to cut up all the highlights. So it went away fast, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, on this day 17 years ago, a hole was punched in a ceiling in a garden apartment in Hyde Park, and hopefully it's never been fixed because the hole in my heart that the Bears have left since that day is still wide-ass open. It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Golf Podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love. That is all the time we have for episode 349 of the Full Gold Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Shakia Taylor from the Chicago Tribune. She is all things sports, culture, content, and majesty. Shout out to Shakia. Shake is good, people. She is welcome anytime on this show. Uh, make sure you go check out her piece about Joakim Noah and his connection to the city and the Chicago Bulls. And, of course, if there's any tape of that uh, Jackie Robinson um, panel, Make sure you go check that out as well. Shake's doing great things out here. Also, want to thank our production staff, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, Chief Bob's officer himself, Chris Sutton, Tony Gill, 
the dad, the myth, the legend, and the exceptional one, Kyle Williams. Uh, before we do get up out of here, hey, I don't talk about as much music as I used to on this pod uh, because I haven't listened to a lot in this last year. I listened to a few albums, and I came on this pod and told y'all that the best album that I heard, and that it was within uh, you know a couple of weeks of me listening to it every single day, and and then letting it you know grow, letting 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 the environment take hold of the music, right? Because when you consume the music is is sometimes more important than what you're actually listening to. So hearing it in the car, maybe hearing it at a spot that you go to, hearing it in the house when, you, when you're cleaning up or when you're rocking out or when you're working out. Hey, Killer Mike's album, and, and congratulations to Michael Render. Because Killer Mike's album did everything it was supposed to do, not only for hip hop, but it did it at the Grammys. Michael, uh, whether you got the deluxe or the the first release, Michael from start to finish was my favorite rap album last year. And I had Utopia, right? And Utopia dropped when I was in Vegas, by the way. All right, for the fight, for the Terrence Crawford fight. There's no better place for a Travis Scott album to drop than you, than Las Vegas when everything and anything can happen at any hour of the day or night. I was enjoying the Travis Scott album. I know Metro Boomin uh, and, 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 of course, you know, Drake and 21. Like, there's a lot of people out there who there's go, the hate is going to start and it's going to cascade and kind of swallow up Mike's, uh, Mike's moment. But I will say this. Killer Mike, and this is not because I'm biased, because I am biased, but Killer Mike's album was the quintessential hip-hop album. It was damn near a gospel album. It was a spoken word album, the reflection that's in that thing. When you, Down By Law is one of the best starts to an album that I can remember in a very, very long time. And by the time you get through that song and and CeeLo is is sitting there crooning at the end of that joint into Shed Tears, Shed Tears, I actually cried while listening to this song a couple of times, okay? Because of how personal I take a lot of those verses in that song. So do yourself a favor. I know a lot of people go check movies out after the Oscar nominations or after the actual Oscar show. I know a lot of people check music out after the Grammy noms. And I know a lot more people are going to check out this album after he's swept it for what best rap performance, best rap song. And of course, best album. Now I, I, I do see that Mike ran into a little bit of trouble. Uh, I do see that he uh, had some handcuffs on him and was detained. And I hope the I hope Mike is is decent. I hope he's all good. I hope nothing serious is occurring in that situation. And if nothing serious is is occurring, I want to know why Mike is being let out in handcuffs. But Will Smith can just sit his black ass right on down after he slaps the shit out of Chris Rock in front of millions of people. I just want to know why that's the case. To be honest with you, but I digress. Mike was one of the dudes who, when I went to Atlanta and V103 and WAOK were downstairs from 92.9 The Game, the sports station that uh, I guess I could say I helped launch because I was in the <laughs> I was in the night show, uh, the first night show for that station. Um, when Mike was at WAOK, which is like our WVON here in, in Chicago, uh, when Mike was at WAOK walking those hallways, every time I ran into that man, he made me feel like I was home. 
and, and in a time where I was away from home and not knowing what away from home was really going to serve me or present me or do for me, Mike was not only a calming voice, but uh, always had a good word. And it, it wasn't like we was kicking it all the time, nothing like that. But in our interactions in the hallways, he, he made me feel like Atlanta was supposed to be my new home. Him, along with Big Ticket down there, who's still killing it at V103. So uh, from a personal standpoint, I am incredibly, incredibly happy for this man's success. Uh, I wish him nothing but the best. And if you love rap music, hell, if you love music, period, what, what he has been doing with LP and the Run the Jewels stuff over the last decade has been phenomenal. Uh, we probably should get our, our guy Andrew Barber on here, Fake Show Drive, to talk about this. But I am uh, I'm happy that rap won, and and he is a true rapper's rapper uh, with with an ear for great production. He's a part of that Dungeon Family tree. The man has roots going back to you know 20, 30 years ago that a lot of people would not be surprised about if you truly knew about Atlanta and knew about Michael Render. So once again, congratulations to that man. It was the best rap album I heard last year. And I usually don't put a lot of stock into the Grammys because judging art to me, just there's something artificial about that, no pun intended. But when dudes and ladies win, who I respect and I appreciate, and I don't agree with Mike all the time when it, when it comes to his politics and some of the things that he has to say, but I appreciate where it's coming from because it always feels like he is putting black people and people first. So shout out to Killer Mike. Shout out to Michael, the album, uh, the best rap album, and damn near the best album that, uh, that, that I heard last year. You know, if it hadn't been for Meta, then, you know, but shout out to Mike. Uh, as we wrap this thing up, we appreciate y'all so much as we appreciate the production staff. Thank you so much for downloading this thing. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars you know it needs. Thanks for following us on the socials. We appreciate you so much. We will talk to you on Tuesday because we're getting ready to start our Super Bowl ramp up. So we'll see who jumps on, talks about the Super Bowl from the Super Bowl. We're going to have some guests from Vegas. Um, Shout out to all of y'all who watched the Pro Bowl games because uh, I caught the tail end of that and saw Jalen Johnson made a play. That was fun for the good 30 seconds that I caught. So now we're on to the final football game of the season. Looking forward to talking about it for a couple of pods with y'all starting on Tuesday. But until then, we leave you with this as always. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. Talk to y'all Tuesday. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. That's 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. 
chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLING.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.